The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We will talk about the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions and why week number nine changed the entire season for the NFC. We will also do a little bit on Packers-Rams, obviously game being today. Uh, don't want you guys, if you can't listen today, you're like, oh, this is way dated. So we'll talk just slightly about that. We'll go into the playoff simulator, uh, why I feel like the Packers have a chance for the first time really in the last few weeks. Uh, then we will go over Wisconsin winners and losers. And then lastly, just mention the World Cup quickly in a truck's corner of why we love sports. But before I get going, just a reminder, follow us along on social media, Tabby Keg on Twitter, Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We were a little quiet on socials this weekend besides Twitter. Uh, so apologize for that. Sometimes it... So I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to defend it, uh, but you know, it's one of those things where it's hard to do everything. Um, and I should have probably done a better job of getting us on on those channels and doing more. But when you're one of one, uh, there's <laughs> it's just it gets difficult. But I I'm kind of hoping there'll be a little less of that um, as the years to come. The year to come. Uh, so there's that. Uh, make sure that you're rating and reviewing uh, the podcast itself. If you're already subscribed, if you're not subscribed and you're new to the program and joining us for the first time ever, uh, that's great. Welcome in. Uh, we're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on wherever else you get your podcast. We should be there. So hopefully you are joining us for the long haul. And we look forward to hopefully being your daily source of Wisconsin sports content that's a little different than what you get on radio. There's not much on radio right now. And not so you know niche, right? Not just Packers, not just the box. It's everything. So I think that it's the fact our niche is the fact that it's Wisconsin sports, not necessarily one of the teams. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about why I think Packers and Lions in Week Number Nine changed really everything in the NFC. So you remember that game? That game was ugly. Packers lost fifteen to nine. It was a game Packers should have won. I think all of us look at that and say. That was one that the Packers should have had. I had some buddies in a group chat yesterday talk about how how do we lose to the Giants and the Commanders. And, and honestly, I I think I didn't even respond to it, but I, I think I've said to you guys last week, it's kind of always always about who you when you play. Now we had Shannon on Keg Jams yesterday or last week talk also about how that's a little bit of a loser excuse. He didn't say that, um, put a word in his mouth, but that's kind of what he was telling me, and he's right, right? Like. Everybody could say this, right? Every single person could make the case that, yeah, it's when you play a certain team and that matters more than really anything else in the NFL season. I think you can put a ton of weight into that because, you know, whether it's injuries, whether it's, you know, quarterbacks and, you know, because you play the commanders in the first five weeks of the season and it's Carson Wentz, not Taylor Heineke. I mean, there will be a conversation. It's probably being had right now by Commanders fans and their and people doing DC radio today about if we didn't have Carson Wentz for the first five games, you know, are the Commanders easily in the playoffs? So we, are we not worried about the fact that the refs screwed us out of this game? Uh, because yes, I, I you have to look at that and that the Commanders got screwed last night, but now they're in a position where they have to win football games, and that's. That's where it all comes down. So going back to Packers and Lions, you know, Lions were one and seven to start this year. They're now seven and seven after escaping against the New York Jets in a game that almost looked like a very Lions loss. 
But instead, on fourth and inches, they found Brock White for a 55-yard touchdown. No one from the Jets could bring him down, and Brock White scores all the way. And then they give they give up a long pass play to Elijah Moore, but Greg Zerline misses a 58-yard field goal to tie it, and the Lions win that game. If it were the old Lions, I think the Lions would have lost that football game. Now, a lot of Lions fans are saying the old Lions are dead. That RIP the old Lions. I, I still don't believe it until I see them win a playoff game. Like, I, I know that sounds rude, but the Lions are still the Lions until we see them actually win a playoff game for the first time since 1992. Then I can bury the old Lions narrative. And I understand it as somebody who was a fan of the box, right? And it was the same old box, same old box. You have to kind of take that step before you can stop saying same old box. And I, I feel that way with the Detroit Lions. But regardless of whether same old Lions will continue or the new Lions will appear, they were 1-7 at the time of the game against the Packers, and the Packers were 3-5. and five. If the Packers take care of business in the red zone, the entire NFC landscape changes. We're not talking probably about this Lions team on a 7-7 seven and seven run. Now, maybe the Lions get hot. Maybe it, it, it's still you know a Detroit team that finds themselves into the playoff conversation, but a little more like in the hunt where Green... Well, they're still in the hunt as is, but we're like Green Bay is right now, right? So they have one less win. So maybe six and eight, right? And they're, they're surging all of a sudden. They had won five straight games. Now, remember, they also did lose to the Buffalo Bills as well. So there there is that part of it as well. So maybe they wouldn't even be in the conversation. So I, I don't know, right? Like, I, I have no idea. That's, that's one of those where... I'm very, you know, uncertain if the Lions would be in the spot today if it's not for that Packers game because of what happened in Buff- against Buffalo on Thanksgiving. Now, they almost won that game, but they didn't. And that was their last loss, and they haven't lost since. And they've been, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL really since that Packers game. And But they, again, had no business winning that one. Packers were terrible in the red zone that day. Aaron Rodgers was bad all altogether. And the Packers lost that football game. The Lions didn't win that game. It was the Packers losing that game. And if the Packers had just taken care of business, they are four and five heading into the game against the Cowboys. They would have got back to 500 if they beat the Cowboys. And then who knows where Green Bay is right now. The Packers would be banging down the door right now of the playoffs. And we would be talking about how today is so much more significant than what we have on, on deck against the Los Angeles Rams. That the Packers would would really be in this perfect position, if you will, to make their way to the playoffs, even though they do not have the tiebreakers with the Commanders and the Giants if we play out the season the same way. But they would be one less team to compete with in Detroit. And the Packers would, you know, again, find, you know, and who knows, right? Two-game winning streak, does that change the Titans game? Does that even change the Eagles game? I, I don't think it changes the Eagles game. I think they lose that game regardless. But maybe it changes the Titans game. Maybe, you know, the emotion of beating Dallas and getting that monkey off your back in terms of the losing streak isn't there because they've now won two strike games and they actually come out with you know a fury versus coming out flat who knows right and i i just am probably going to look back at that game specifically so of all the games we're like what if 
I think the Lions one's the biggest one because I, I feel like it altered everything. And I feel like it changed what the NFC is right now. And if it's not for that game, I don't know. We're not talking about the Red Hot Lions. And we're maybe talking about can the Packers, you know, find their way in. I mean, we're still having that conversation, but I think it's it's even stronger. I think it's more of a national conversation, not just a local conversation about, hey, wait, Green Bay can slip in here. And I know that there will be some national pundits that realize this and recognize, especially after if Green Bay were to win tonight, but the job isn't done. And it's absolutely meaningless if the Packers don't win out. And that will be difficult. And you would have at least a little bit of a cushion heading into a very difficult road game next week against Miami. Obviously, got to beat the Rams tonight. I'm not looking ahead. Uh, I've learned my lesson with Green Bay not to look ahead. But you at least have a little bit of a cushion. Not that you want one. Not that you're using it as an excuse. But it would have been something that would have been nice. But that's not there because you lost to the Lions. And you gave the Lions the door into the playoffs. And that's something that the Packers are going to have to live with, right? That they let their division rival, who is not really a rival, but I'm sure it's a budding rivalry, if you will, into the playoffs here and into the, or well, at least into the conversation, maybe not into the playoffs, but into the conversation. And it wouldn't be that case had they just taken care of business against the Detroit Lions. Let's talk Packers and Rams before we go into the playoff simulator. It should be an interesting game. Uh, yeah, Baker Mayfield, who did not necessarily look like he was competent. It looked like the same quarterback that we had sort of seen all year. And then he has this amazing drive at the very end of the game to pull the Rams out from the depth. Now, the Rams are not sort of tanking. The Rams need to win games to give the Lions a worse pick. The Rams have nothing to tank for. Um, if the Rams were struggling, yeah, maybe you would see that. There's no Cooper Cup. I don't think Aaron Donald's playing in this one as well. Uh, they, they are a beleaguered roster. They do not have a lot of guys that you would know. Uh, I've compared the Rams to the Miami Marlins where they won one title and then it all went to complete shit the year after because that's kind of how it feels. Now, that said, you do not take this team lightly. You do not just take this team in sort of that, oh, we can just waltz right in and win this football game because Green Bay is not that good. Now, this will be the first time that we have Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, and Aaron Rodgers all at full strength, right, for a long time. Uh, I think we did have it week two, but that was so early in the process and week one for that matter. But this will be the first time that I think you see this version of Watson Dobbs had some moments. Obviously, it will take him some time to maybe get back to full strength. I wouldn't imagine that he will take as many snaps as maybe we saw earlier in the year. But you do have a very healthy Packer team besides David Bakhtiari um, and besides some of your season-ending injuries. You do have a very, you know, Devondre Campbell back really to full strength. I know he played in the game against Cleveland, but I, I didn't think he was 100%. You have a very healthy secondary with Jair Alexander, with Rasul Douglas, who struggled. But remember, Rasul Douglas had two interceptions at Baker Mayfield last year. He had a pretty good read on what Baker was. Uh, so there, it's set up really nicely for Green Bay. And I was, I've been banging this drum all last week, and I will bang it again right now. 
all really I want from Green Bay is to just run the football and to uh, basically make the Rams quit early in this game. It's going to be cold. It's not going to be warm outside. These are a bunch of L.A. boys, and it really matters that first half against the warm-weather teams in cold-weather climate. If you let those warm-weather teams just kind of feel beaten down and like, oh, my God, it's cold out here, and they think about the cold, they've lost the game. But if you let them hang around, you let them sort of, you know, be in the conversation, be in the mix. It's like all of a sudden it's not cold. Let's go win this game. And I felt like that was the case with Buffalo-Miami over the weekend. I felt like Buffalo didn't do a good enough job of closing that door early. So Miami sort of hung around. Actually, Miami had led, remember, in the later part of that game and sort of gave Miami an out. Now, granted, Miami's talent to LA's talent is a gap as wide as the two cities are, right? But at the same time, it's still it's still there. Like, it's still something that I think weather just matters to me. Um, it, it'll always will, and maybe that's an old-school way of looking at it, but I, I just think they need to bury the Rams early. And if you don't bury the Rams early... I think you're going to be in for a fight. I really do. I do like the Packers, you know, minus the seven. I think they shouldn't have a problem, you know, taking care of business at home against this team. Uh, but yeah, it's not. It's it's something that I, I think could come later if they were to, you know, let say Los Angeles, I almost said St. Louis, hang around there. And you just have to put it in early. And they've struggled with that. This has been a struggle for them, right? They've not really had a great start to games. Matt LaFleur's scripts have been, I think, downright terrible this year. So can Green Bay, you know, kind of reverse that trend and not come out sort of lethargic? Um, That would be a welcome sight as it has not really been the case this entire season. I I can't think of – maybe the – well, now in New England, they came out slow. I'm like trying to think of a game. Oh, Tampa. Tampa was like the only game where they really came out fast. Uh, the Bears game, they they had a really good second quarter. Um, so that, I guess you could say sort of pseudo came out fast. Like the Bears and Bucks, get back to what you were doing in those games. You know, those were games where you came out fast. The Giants game also, too, was another one where they came out fast. And then they kind of, you know, sat on it a little bit. But, yeah, come out fast for the first time really in – I would say weeks, months, and that would be great. And we'll see what we get from Joe Barry against Baker Mayfield. Should not let Baker Mayfield have a big day. Um, And you shouldn't let Cam Akers have a big day. This should be a good day for the Packer defense. And if it's not a good day for the Packer defense, it raises more concerns about what's ahead next week. And also, Green Bay cannot look ahead, right? Uh, The Miami game is a big one. You can't think about that Miami game early. You have to put the Rams away. And you have to do it in the first half. And so I, I'm hopeful that Green Bay can. And that will be another Packers win. But we will obviously talk about it tomorrow uh, after the game is over and recap that and have it ready for y'all for Tuesday's show. Moving on to the playoff simulator. We are going to do it a day early uh, before the Packer game, which seems a little risky. I seem like I am putting the cart before the horse. I'm not. I'm just, you know, segment stuff and looking at you know long-term things and I just think it's interesting to know where the Packers are at let let me be a hundred twenty hundred thirty hundred fifty percent clear Packers have to win this game before we can have any of this conversation Packers lose this football game none of this fucking shit matters okay none of it matters 
And I realized that, you know, everybody's doing simulators. Everybody's talking about who who needs to lose, what needs to happen. Um, but I think really let's look at week 15 in general before we get into the nitty gritty of it. Seattle is done. I think Seattle, you can kind of console the season on them because Tyler Lockett's hurt. Um, he's likely not going to play. Geno Smith has kind of fallen back into what Geno Smith was. Uh, the Cinderella has you know found found the slipper, right? The slipper has been found, and C- Cinderella's you know turned back into a pumpkin here. I think that's how Cinderella goes. I haven't seen Cinderella in forever, so those with kids can definitely fact check me on that. I think I got that wrong, but that's here nor there. Uh, you you just honestly, it's it's not good for Seattle. And I, the Geno's story was great, and it's just hard for me to really see the Seahawks get off the mat. You know, their talent kind of has finally come back to bite them in the ass. And I think there are a lot of teams who played Seattle earlier in the season and were like, we could have beat that team, and they didn't. And so, yes, I I look at it, and the Seahawks are in deep, deep trouble, and I do not see them really part of the playoff conversation, even though... They certainly could, uh, but they go to Kansas City this week. It's not going to be easy, um, and then they have to play the Jets, which is, yes, the ultimate Geno Smith revenge game, but a very difficult task for the Seattle Seahawks given that the Jets are pretty damn good, and the Jets are going to have a rest advantage as they will be playing on Thursday night against the Jaguars, which is suddenly a great game. Like All of a sudden, it's like Jets-Jaguars. It's like, holy shit, that's actually a really solid basketball game. So that's, that's number one. Number two... The NFC East isn't going to matter anymore in Week 18, which is a problem for the Packers, right? Because you need the Giants and you need the Commanders to lose. And now the NFC East really doesn't mean much. Uh, The NFC East is mostly wrapped up by Philadelphia. Yes, there's a chance the Eagles, you know, could still lose the West or East, excuse me, if they were to lose to the Dallas Cowboys next week and then they were losing another game. Uh, Yeah, there is still a path. But I find it hard-pressed to see the Eagles lose back-to-back games. I can see them losing to Dallas. I certainly could. I cannot see them losing to the Saints at home, right? Like, Saints, January 1st, cold, dome team, heading up to Philadelphia. Philadelphia with a chance to clinch in front of their fans. No fucking way do I see the Eagles losing that game. Now, if they did, all of a sudden the NFC East matters. And all of a sudden then, those games against the Giants and Commanders mean something, and that really helps Packers. But I, I really, truly believe that the Packers are going to need the Giants and Commanders to lose their games early on versus losing right now. Or versus losing in Week 18, excuse me. Because I, I just can't see it, right? I, I just cannot see it happening. Lions winning was not great. We talked about that already. Uh, as for the Commanders you know, and them losing, I, I think that is actually the worst case scenario. As for the Giants and Commanders, Actually, the more I think about it, the Commanders losing helps the Packers. Uh, And I I was not that way. I was like, oh, it's the Giants. But so both teams have very tough opponents uh, next week. You have Commanders and 49ers. Uh, The Brock Purdy experience will uh, play against Washington. And I can't really feel good about Taylor Heineke going up against that Niners defense, which looks as good as as really anyone in, in football right now, any unit, offensive defense, that defense is just humming right now. And yeah, maybe they get Chase Young back and that would definitely help what the commanders are doing. But the Niners are really, really tough. 
And I think if that game was in Washington, I'd feel a little bit differently about San Francisco's chances, but it's at home. Niners fan base will be fired up for that game with just how they're playing and how sort of they look to me like the best team in the NFL. I, I really believe that. Um, I, I would go as far. I think Cincinnati and San Francisco right now look a you know above even Philadelphia. Like Philadelphia is like right there. If they were to beat Dallas in Dallas, I, I have to put Philadelphia ahead, right? But that to me is like such a measuring stick game for where I where I put Philadelphia in the mix. But yes, uh, San Francisco, that's a tough game for Washington. And then uh, for the Giants, they go to Minnesota, which I, I could see it a hundred ways with how Minnesota, I mean, we haven't even talked about Minnesota and their horseshoe up their ass game against Indianapolis, uh, where basically they had that game lost. It was 30, they were down 33 to nothing and somehow win the game. Um Minnesota is really, really lucky. Um, they, I, I can't, I can't, in my opinion, see anybody, any Vikings fan that feels good right now. You, you just can't. Like it's an amazing win. I mean, my guy Jordan T was chirping me after the game, calling me a fraud, and you know he's drunk probably because he's at the game, and I, I'd be drunk too after my team won. But my God, like that to me is. Just you have to really look at look hard in the mirror and know you're not a good football team and know your defense absolutely fucking stinks. So I don't know. Maybe the Giants could win that game. Uh, and then that's to so that's more reason that furthers kind of where I'm like, okay, it's actually okay the Commanders lost this game because you you compare the opponents and you're like, well, I would rather the team playing the 49ers lost last week. And then the following week, the Commanders do play Cleveland and. While I'm not feeling great about Cleveland, I mean, they gutted out a win. Uh, it was impressive that they beat the Ravens the way they did, and their defense was really solid in that game. Cleveland has nothing nothing to not play for, right? Or that's a double negative. Cleveland, ha- you know, they have they don't have a draft pick. Uh, Houston has a draft pick, so they have to, you know, keep playing ball. And Sean Watson's going to be out there, and you assume that Deshaun Watson is going to get better as the rust continues to fall off. Um, and at some point, you know, it's going to click again for Deshaun and they have the talent offensively with Nick Chubb, with Mark Cooper, with David Njoku, like they, they got guys, right? And so would it all come together for Deshaun Watson and could they beat the commanders? Could they beat the commanders then? Uh, week 18 doesn't matter. And week 18 then becomes a win, winner take all situation for Green Bay uh, because they do have eight losses and they will not get to nine because of that sneaky tie. And the Giants, for that matter, have to play Indianapolis and they get them at home. And Indianapolis now doesn't have Jonathan Taylor. They just announced, as I was taping, that he's out for the season with an ankle injury. And Indianapolis looks dead. And I think Indianapolis now goes into tank mode after the Vikings. It's hard for me to see the Colts really sort of giving a shit the rest of the way and definitely trying to get a top five or, you know, even maybe even top three draft pick. And what's weird for the Colts is I don't think I draft a quarterback. I really wouldn't. I would stick around for Caleb Williams, but I don't know if that's what Jim Irsay will do. I would, I could definitely see Jim Irsay drafting a guy like Will Levis or Bryce Young and be like, this guy's the future of the Colts and, you know, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, all that bullshit. So yeah, I, I think it actually worked out for the Packers that the Commanders won, and I see a path, man. And I, I haven't for a long time. I, I was like, okay, this seems unrealistic, and now I, I don't know. Um, could they really do this? 
is just crazy to think about. And yes, that Miami game looms. And I guess the other thing from week 15 is I feel less confident about that Miami game. I, I For a second there, week 14, you know, Miami gets beat again. Uh, Staley has a great game plan. And I'm like, okay, all right. You can, you maybe, you got a shot here. And maybe Miami isn't the team that we thought they were. And now, I mean, they were right there with Buffalo, in Buffalo, in the cold. And they went blow for blow and came up short. Now, you could take that in two different ways. One, Miami needs to win. Miami's in a muscle. It'll be a must-win game for both teams. Honestly, the game shouldn't be at noon. It should be the 720 game. I realize Fox has locked that in and that thing's not going to get moved. But it really should be the night game. It really should be the afternoon game uh, because it's the best game of the, of the day. And then the other two are just absolute trash. You know, you have Denver, LA, who neither team neither team can make the playoffs. As someone said, it might as well be a bowl game. You have Tampa, who's been awful to watch this year, just an absolute pain in the ass, playing an Arizona team that's dead. Um, so there, there's that. Like that Christmas Day slate is absolutely horrific. And maybe it serves the NFL right for just getting greedy, right? And not necessarily just playing the full slate on December the 24th. And you knew the NFL wasn't going to do that, right? Like the NFL, the NFL had to try to get come at the NBA. And yeah, Florida will get all excited about ratings because that's, that's like his porn. Like he looks at NFL ratings as porn hub for him. But anyways, here and are there. The Packer-Dolphins game, yeah. it's it, it, I, I can see at least maybe the Dolphins a little bit of a letdown, right? And it's like the emotion of last Saturday for Miami could be there. Miami's going to be well-rested. They will have, you know, two days of rest over Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay has a – or no, it's Sunday, sorry. So Green Bay will have six at least. Miami will have eight. Um, in that regard. So they have, still do have a two-day rest advantage on there, which I know Warren Sharp is big on those rest advantage stuff, and there's some ATS uh, you know, look at. But Green Bay still has to take care of business tonight. None of that matters. Miami doesn't matter until tonight with the Packers winning. Packers don't win that game. We are not talking about playoffs. We're not talking about any of this. We can throw the simulator in the trash, uh, Ron Swanson style, and just say it's over. But there is a there is more of a path today than there was last week at this time. And that is something to at least be excited about. Uh, but you just got to win. Just win, baby, uh, as Al Davis would say. Moving on to our new segment on the weekends, uh, Wisconsin winners and losers from the weekend. Uh, basically, for those who may not listen last week, this is a way for us to sort of recap the weekend uh, that was, that isn't bat- football related. Um, I don't know if this is something I will continue into the you know non-football year, uh, whether that is in two weeks or three weeks when the Packers are eliminated or in multiple weeks if they were to make a crazy playoff run. But yeah, I, it's just a good way to kind of put a bow on everything that has happened. Uh, so I hope you guys are okay with that. Um, it gets it makes sure we can fit in, you know, a lot of stuff. Um, and maybe it's something in the future that we look at and we're like, all right, we're not going to talk about everything and, and all of it. But at least for now, we're going to do it. So winner number one I have is Marshawn Bochamp of the Milwaukee Bucks. So Marshawn Bochamp got a chance to play because a bunch of Bucks were out. Uh, no Giannis, no Chris. 
in the game against Utah. And Marshawn came up with a big day, 18 points uh, in 19 minutes. Uh, he was excellent as the Bucks blew out the Jazz 123-297. Really was all about the fourth quarter for that game. Uh, it was kind of close um, heading into that fourth quarter. Uh, the Jazz were, I guess, hanging around. Uh, Bucks still maintained like an eight-point advantage. But after that happened, the Bucks got hot. Like Mamu hits a three, Grayson hits a three, Bochamp hits a three, and all of a sudden the Bucks are up 17, and they really never look back after that. But the bigger conversation is about Bochamp. He was four of four from the free throw line, four four of seven from three, five and nine from the floor. He was plus 17, went out on the court on Saturday. You cannot keep Marshawn Bochamp on the bench. Marjan Bochamp deserves minutes. Uh, he deserves some of the minutes that Wes Matthews gets. He deserves some of the minutes that Pat Connaughton gets. Marjan Bochamp needs to kind of be part of the rotation. I, I, it's hard to not defend it. He had 12 points of garbage time in that awful Grizzlies game that we didn't talk about because I didn't do a podcast on thir- on Friday. But you have to have more Marjan. Now, you could say maybe it's because he was sick and under the weather for a couple weeks and Bud wanted him to get back to full strength. We'll see tonight against New Orleans, right? I mean, it, while uh, the Bucks, or I'm sorry, while the Packers have a huge game, you also have a big game for the Bucks against the very frisky, very good uh, New Orleans Pelicans on Monday night as well in the blender uh, down in New Orleans. So you have that going for you. Uh, you it also kicks off a very long road trip. So yes, maybe we will see Marjan tonight, but there is no excuse to not have Marjan out there for anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes a game. Uh, he deserves it. Uh, he's play, He played, looks like an NBA rotation player. He just does. Like He looks the part. This Jazz team was fully healthy. It wasn't like this Jazz team was you know, in a position where it's like, oh, uh, no Clarkson, no Mike Conley, no Laurie Marketing. Like all those guys played. Like all those guys were out there. Uh, it was not a it's not a jazz team that was completely you know was looking sort of like the Bucks and were a couple man down and it was two JV squads going at it. So Marjan deserves more minutes. And I don't know if Mike Boonholzer needs to see more to be like I have to get this guy in there. Um, and Bud, this is what Bud has done his entire career. And I'll just we'll just do it now. Uh, winners and losers. We we can do both sides. Bud's a loser. Like this is. This, this is something that makes Mike Boonholzer look bad. Now, the only way I could give him an out if it's like, yeah, Marjan was not at full conditioning until today and we plan to use him more. I, I just, I think you've seen enough here where he deserves, you know, minutes. And I understand Wes Matthews, you know, has a role, but I think, you know, taking some of Wes, Wes's minutes per game to Marjan helps you offensively, helps you defensively, helps you from an athletic standpoint. If you were to tell me that we're going to trade Grayson Allen for Jay Crowder, but Marjan's going to take some of those minutes, I think I could be okay with that. I think Marjan gives me a point two trade Grayson Allen because Marjan could make up for it and more in terms of the athleticism. Uh, but yeah, Marjan's a winner, but Bud's definitely a loser. Um, and I think this is a really big like two weeks for Bud. Now that we've seen Bojam healthy, um, I think you have to play him more, and we'll see if that's the case. And we'll see if he does get the minutes, and it's not in garbage time like it was against the Grizzlies or when the Bucks have guys out. And we'll see if Bochamp gets a role because he deserves one. And it's a bummer if he's not going to be playing out there.
Another winner for me is Marquette basketball, second straight week. We put Marquette into this conversation. Uh, just another awesome game from the Golden Eagles. Really was all about the second part of the first half for them. Uh, they won that 24-9, to uh, and the Golden Eagles put the clamps down on Creighton, who continues to struggle. Uh, Creighton now 6-6. Six and six. They've lost six straight games uh, without... Uh, Ryan Kalbrenner, uh, they are just a completely different basketball team. And Marquette, you know, took advantage of that. And, and as they should, right? And you have the best player, one of the best Big East players out of the game. You know, yeah, you need to take advantage of that. And the Golden Eagles did just that. Uh, really impressive stuff. Uh, Osa Gidara, 16 points, you know, and it looked really tough to, tough to handle because, you had Frederick King, who's talented, big guy. He's going to be really good, but he's he still has a lot of that baby weight on him. And also took advantage of that. Also, also looked really good out there. Uh, you also had Omax Prosper have a really nice game, uh, really established himself well. Was not necessarily thinking about the three point line, which I think he fell in love with in that Badger game. Uh, so yeah, that was that was really great to see. Um, I felt like there was a really nice moment for him. I thought Tyler Kolick, seven assists, four steals. I know he only had five points, but you look at the other shit that Tyler Kolick did. Uh, that was really, really impressive. And just being there, being in the building. Oh, I actually should add a loser to the Pfizer Forum. What an absolute disaster that was. We'll talk about that in a second here. But uh, just Marquette's the second best team in the Big East. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that, you know, six to seven weeks into the college basketball season. Shaka Smart deserves coach of the year conversation. This is a young team. It's a team full of freshmen and freshmen and sophomores. And they're playing really, really strong basketball. And yeah, you got to go on the road to Providence on Tuesday. It's not going to be easy uh, before getting a break for the holidays and then welcoming Seton Hall back at the Fiserv. But yeah, the Big East is going to be a grind. It always is a grind. It's never, it's never one that's that's easy. But if they can get, you know, keep getting wins, keep stacking them up, I think the conversation around Marquette's going to grow. And we're already there, you know, in terms of the Marquette fan base. But I, I do think more national people are paying attention. And it was nice. It was kind of a pseudo standalone game for Marquette, you know, in the 7:30 spot on a Friday night, where there was not even a bowl game. There was there was a little bit of NBA basketball, but that was it. So they, there were a lot of people with eyeballs on what the Golden Eagles did to Creighton, and you know, holding them to 30, 58 points, and really sort of shutting them down after the first first part of that game. You know, they scored 22 in that first. 10 minutes of the game and then after that it it was nothing right you scored 25 in q2 and q3 you know per kempom and then you so yeah it was a really really strong defensive effort from marquette which we haven't necessarily seen this season um and it was just all in all great defense from them four of 20 from three that creighton was and just really solid only creighton only got to the line five times uh so it kind of sums up Creighton just started settling for shots, and that's exactly what you want. And we'll see what the Golden Eagles can do against Providence. Uh, they owe Providence from last year in Providence. That was a weird game that they should have probably finished. They weren't able to. I can't remember if Providence, they beat Providence at home. But, yeah, that, that loss to Providence last year was bad, uh, was not a good one. It, they did beat Providence. Oh, yeah, they kicked the shit out. That's right. That was an awesome game. They kicked Providence. I remember that now. They destroyed Providence at home. But, yeah, on the road, they had a, a very – Dumb loss, and hopefully 
they can avenge that uh, in what formerly was the Dunkin' Donuts Center. I think it's something else now. You know, corporations take over and ruin all the fun. It's like Miller Park, right? It's like, oh, we want to keep calling it Miller Park. You still want to keep calling it the Dunk. It's not the Dunk anymore. It's like some insurance company now. Speaking of colleges, another winner uh, was Badger football. Getting Nick Evers uh, to join the Badgers, a former five-star quarterback from Oklahoma, coming over uh, in the transfer portal. So the conversation around if the Badgers were going to get a quarterback in this transfer portal, they did. Uh, they were looking for one, and Nick Evers is that guy. He is a dual-threat dude. Uh, he has a great arm, uh, was at Oklahoma. Uh, so this is a huge coup for Wisconsin. I would argue that this is the biggest quarterback. You know, Mertz was Mertz was really big. Like, you can't understate, like, for what Graham is and what Graham was, like, he still was a huge recruit. Bart Houston was a pretty big name. Uh, but this is like, yeah, it's it's similar to Russell Wilson. And now we will see if Evers or Miles Burkett will be will be that guy. And I don't think Miles Burkett is announcing any sort of transfer. Uh, he's, I would assume, getting the start on the game next week. Uh, but we'll have to see on that one. And it's just a massive, you know, sort of stamp on Wisconsin. And Luke Fickle has been excellent in terms of recruiting. Uh, got a couple guys from Cincinnati, a corner and a safety. Uh, you know, as, as the Badgers definitely need secondary help. And the receivers at Wisconsin all are staying right with now what's being called the dairy raid uh, with Phil Longo. Uh, suddenly, Marcus Allen's back at school. Like he was, he committed to Minnesota, and then like a week later, is like, okay, I'm coming back. Uh, which I, good on Wisconsin for taking him back. I don't know if I would have, uh, but I think because it's a new new organization, new regime, they probably are like, yeah, whatever, uh, just come back. You know, maybe you're gonna have to work for it, but we're still gonna give you this opportunity. And yeah, they they will see if Evers can start week one. I don't know. Um, that's obviously you know going to be part of the competition, but it's someone that Phil Longo looked at and said, yeah, this is a guy who can play my system. This is a guy who could be like a Drake May uh, for Wisconsin. And that's just crazy to think about, right? That you could have that sort of quarterback appeal at Wisconsin. That has never, never, ever happened. And yes, Russell Wilson is the only guy, but remember, Russell Wilson still was a third or a third round draft pick, right? Like it wasn't like Russell Wilson, you know, went to Wisconsin and all of a sudden he's a top pick. He was still a third round guy. They still were run first. Like they still used John Clay a ton. I think it was John Clay. Uh, it would, might not have been. The Badger running backs all meshed together, but still, they were run first, even with Russell Wilson. And so it wasn't maybe Monty Ball actually, but but still. Body ball, I think, yeah, it was body ball. But anyways, it doesn't matter. It's like they, it was not, you know, all about Russell Wilson. It was about their running back. It was still about their defense with J.J. Watt. Like, those were the guys that got drafted early, not Russell Wilson. Nick Evers has a shot to, you know, kind of change that and be that guy. And then make Wisconsin look more approachable to a lot of other quarterbacks. And that's... That's a huge thing, right? I think, you know, the approach that Ohio State takes, that Texas sort of took, where it's like, just bring all these guys in. Fuck it. Like, just battle it out. And if you're not, you're not going to make it. All right. 
transfer. Like, okay, no big deal. Like, get out of here and and find somewhere else that matters. And uh, we'll see if Burkett stays. I, I think he should. Like, I, I don't think Burkett should leave. Um, he's a Franklin kid. So you, you would assume that he doesn't want to leave. He's probably always dreamt about playing for the Badgers. And, you know, if he's a solid number two or, you know, he can maybe be number one, right? Learn the air raid. Maybe, maybe Miles Burkett can kind of prove some people wrong. And so I am very excited for this. I, I think Wisconsin, you know, isn't done uh, at all. And I, I think Fickle will continue to kind of make this roster better and get the Badgers in a position to win next year. Not necessarily two years from now, but next year. And I do think there is an opportunity for Wisconsin to make an imprint on the 2023 season. Last winner for me is Third Space Brewing. Uh, we went to an event there. It's called their Cheaters Fest. Uh, my wife was had found it, so shout out to her. Uh, but it was a great time. Uh, I had the fun. Uh, it was a little crowded, but I would say that there was enough room to operate. Uh, that space is not exactly the biggest. Uh, they do have a large outdoor area, but it was pretty damn cold. Uh, to be outside. But still, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, they had a ton of beer available. Uh, was they, they did some Toys for Tots charity. Uh, Tots on the street was giving out free tots. They had a little bit of a market. Uh, Flower Child was serving up some pizza, but it was more like a pizza appetizer because uh, I had dinner after it, which we'll see how that goes with the workout a little later. But still, uh, I, I give Third Space a ton of credit. Uh, they put on a good store. They're, just, they're deconstructed dessert, by the way. Their mudslide uh, stout, delicious. Really good beer. I uh, was impressed with that. Um, I, if I didn't have a ton of stouts in my house right now, I would have definitely uh, tried to pick some up. But I'm not... I, I, I've kind of tapped out when it comes to beer. Uh, no, no pun intended. But yeah, Third Space did a great job putting on that event. And definitely, got a, you know, it's one of those places where you just kind of forget it's there. Um, and that's no knock to them, honestly. Uh, they do a great job. But it's just, it, it's not necessarily in a populous area. It's like right off where Walker's Point is, where Bayview is. And you, you sometimes forget about it. But I, it was a good reminder of what Third Space has and what, what they bring to the table. All right. Other losers. Um, I, I Besides Mike Budenholzer, um, me missing Mar- Marquette UConn. Uh, reality is set in on that one. Uh, after beating Creighton, I was like, shit, I'm not going to be able to see Marquette UConn at the Pfizer Forum. It is Wednesday the 11th. I will be in Mexico. Uh, so... I, while I'm very happy I'm in Mexico, I'm ex- looking forward to it, excited for it, excited to get out of the cold. Uh, having to not see Marquette UConn is a fucking bummer. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, missing that one is a tough one. Uh, and have it on the DVR. Um, I will definitely tape that and watch it back. And, you know, hopefully it's an exciting finish. Um, UConn is really, really fucking good. Uh, you saw it last against Butler. They didn't even really play well offensively, and they still beat Butler, I think, by 10 points or something close to it. Uh, and But Marquette's better than, you, than Butler. So it should be an awesome game. Uh, I think everybody has that circled now with how Marquette's played and you know, looking like that second-best Big East team. Uh, that UConn game is definitely circled when the Golden Eagles welcome that Connecticut team. But we are a long way to get there. Like, there's still a lot of opponents before we get to Connecticut. Uh, and they do also have to travel to Connecticut in February. But I, I will be around for that one, uh, barring anything else. But, yes, uh, it should be 
Should be a really, really fun basketball game uh, when the Huskies and the Golden Eagles link up. We're a long way to go, right? Uh, things can change. They have a couple. They have three out of the next four on the road, and so it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough task for them to come away here with a bunch of victories and still sort of look like that second best Big East team. Last loser for me, I think it's the last. Oh no, I have two because I have that. We I also have a not a loser, but some might think is a loser, uh, which is a uh, offshoot of this. Uh, suburban fast food, first of all, uh, I, everything closes at eleven or not like ten thirty. Like we got done from the Marquette game, we had some drinks with some friends, and we're like, oh, we're just gonna get a quick bite to eat. Uh, everything closed. Everything closed by eleven o'clock. It's absolutely absurd. Uh, I could not believe it. Uh, even Taco Bell shut down like god damn like there are days where being in the suburbs hurts this is one of them uh, for sure because if we're out we're down on the lower side like yeah would have been would have been a problem would have got something to eat uh, pretty easily um, not the case uh, with this which is a true bummer uh, but it's just something we got to learn something we got to adjust uh, you know frozen pizza worked but Though it was it was worth the wait, if you will, uh, as we you know sort of were starving after the game because also the Pfizer Forum food was bad, and let's another loser is the Pfizer Forum. So the Pfizer Forum uh, was a complete skeleton crew for the Creighton game. Now it, it seemed like they just were underprepared. Seemed like they were understaffed. I don't really know how that happens when Marquette's the second best team in the Big East. They're bringing in Creighton, who travels really well. It was an absolute joke. There were people everywhere, and they were extremely underprepared. And I understand the Bucks sell out. The Bucks are, you know, everybody goes to Bucks games, and that game was Saturday, right? And it's hard to have workers, right? We have staffing shortages all across America. And I don't blame any of these workers. I blame the people that are putting it together. And you have to take Marquette more seriously, right? You just have to if you're the Viser Forum. You can't. Your projections and your models have to change, and they should change with how the season goes. And the season's going well. So, like the Seton Hall game on Tuesday night, yes, the, there won't be the students. You could take some of the students away, but the other fans are probably going to be there. Uh, it's a you know, it's day after sort of Christmas, right? Some people will be working, but a lot of people are going to have off, and some people will look at that as like, hey, let's go to the Marquette game. And so, I just I have that has to get better. It just does. Like you can't keep being this bad. You're. It, it's amateur hour. It's pathetic. Like if this is going to be what it's like, Marquette should look at the Mecca. Should look at you know other options than what we have right now because this is gross. And the Fiserv should be fucking embarrassed. And I hope they are. I, I really do. Like it, it. The experience. Like Marquette is too big of a institution to just have that sort of be. You know, not at full strength. I understand if it's 75%, right? I understand if it's not because of, you know, having a game the next day. But if you can't manage that, then you needed to not have the relationship with Marquette. And that that should have been something you guys talked about and sussed out. But it wasn't. So, yeah, it's, it's disappointing, man. Uh, it was really a bummer. Last, last thing. Uh, I, I don't know if we'll talk about the World Cup here because we're already late into the show. Uh, but I will say, not a loser is uh, the Red Sox getting Justin Turner. Uh, I don't want Justin Turner. I said that a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's a good deal for the Red Sox, I guess. That's a little bit much for an old guy. Uh, for the Brewers, I just was like, you know what? We we can do better than Justin Turner. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay with not having Justin Turner 
uh, join the crew. Uh, so I just wanted to call that out. Last thing on the World Cup uh, before we go. Um, we're already pretty late into the show. So even though we do winners and losers, it still ends up being a late show. And that's kind of the point, right? Where we can talk about all of this, but in a more condensed version, if you will. Um uh, World Cup, just man, you just appreciate it, man. You go away from it and you think about how grateful you are that you're able to watch sports and you're able to be a part of it and remember this and something you'll probably talk about for a long time. You know, whenever the World Cup is on, uh, you'll be like, hey, do you remember that finish between France and Argentina? Uh, Like, that will be something you always talk about. Uh, That's how good that game was. It was absolutely absurd um one of the best games i've i've ever watched in any sport um saw someone compare like the last thing that was kind of like that was the 2019 tiger moment which is it it is like it encapsulates you you're in the moment of sports there's no you know sort of if ands or buts it was a pure game and there really wasn't a lot of controversy um and yeah you could maybe a free kick here but like the penalties were the penalties and the saves were the saves and it was decided in PKs. And I understand some people not liking that, but it's how everything else is decided, you know? So it's not like this is, you know, unique to the World Cup. It happens in Champions League, happens in any of the big, you know, whether it's the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup or anything like that, or MLS for that matter. I know it's like MLS, the FA Cup, like you're like, whoa. But I, I, but it, seriously, like, or the Deep Hochul, that's another one, another club championship. Like those are all decided in PKs at the end. So I, I look at it and I, I think it's a fitting way to end. And Argentina, you know, now Messi gets the Maradona, you know, monkey off his back and he's, he's alone and he is his own Maradona. I think that's really cool. I think to just achieve the final, you know, final destination and Messi say not going to retire from Argentine football. I understand that, right? You probably, you'll have an opportunity at Copa America in two years. And maybe that's what he's looking at. I know they did win it, uh, but maybe try to repeat that title and see if you can stay fit for the next run in the World Cup in 2026. As some pointed out, Messi's going to make a lot of money in the MLS. I don't know if he's going to come, but he, he definitely can cash the fuck out uh, if he ends up going to the United States. And we'll see if that's exactly what Lionel Messi does. But it's just a joy to watch him. It's a joy to you know be in that presence. And now he finally has a trophy, uh, a World Cup trophy to his name. So it was an awesome sports weekend. Um, it was one that it's like, how can you not love sports? And why? And this is why sports matters. Uh, There's just so much good this weekend and was uh, thankful I was able to watch a lot of it. So it's not one where I'm having FOMO uh, on Monday morning. All right, that's it for today's show. We'll be back for Packers Rams tomorrow. Recap that. We'll talk Bucks uh, Pelicans and anything else that comes through the wire today. All right, take care of a good one, Tappers. Bye.